0: Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Tom Moran here from Tom's Big Spiders on a rare Friday. It's Good Friday, and I've got the day off work, and as Sunday is going to be Easter, and there's going to be a lot going on around here, we're going to my parents' house. I won't have time to do the podcast then so I figure why not get it done early and I will probably when you guys hear this it'll be posted either tonight or Saturday because I know some folks will probably be doing some driving would appreciate something to listen to although if you're driving in a car with family members I'm going to apologize to any family members listening that instead of jamming out to some tunes you're listening to some weirdo talk about spiders now all joking aside hope everybody has a great and safe holiday Uh, to start this one off we're going to go back to last week's episode I love being able to go back it's it's the only way can kind of make these somewhat interactive is I put up an episode and then what ends up inevitably happening is I get some comments on YouTube because people know that the fastest way to get a hold of me is to put a comment on YouTube right now. My email is a disaster. I'm actually running out of space. I have to delete a bunch of emails. But anyway, usually I have to do a topic like this, especially one. This one was one I was really... I want to say reluctant to do, but I want to make sure I hit the right notes on it because it is a controversial one because there are a lot of people out there that do feel that spiders do have feelings. They feel a lot more than we think they do. And then there are the other folks out there. They're in the total other end of the spectrum. They're, they're a step up from rocks. Like, who cares? They can't feel anything. Anyway, it was kind of funny because I'm on YouTube the other day and checking my comments and there was another comment on another rehousing video talking about why didn't you just leave the tarantula in the catch cup or in the old container and put the old container in the new one so you could save it a lot of stress. It seems to me that you stressed out the tarantula too much. And it was like, I don't know what's causing these all of a sudden. It's the weirdest thing because I've been doing this for years and doing a lot of the rehousing videos. Obviously, I'm a huge proponent of catch cups that's my whole style of doing them do I use the poke and pray which we will bounce off to in a second on occasion but normally I want to make sure that they're as safe as possible and that's the best way to do it and I don't know why all of a sudden there must be somebody out there that's just doing the poke and pray because what happens is people will go around they'll see somebody else do something and the person will say, this is the, the most stress-free way to move the tarantula, and they take that word as just the be-all, end-all. I know it happened a, a while back when I was doing some a lot of rehousings where I had to dig up spiders, and people were doing the flood method, and it worked for them. I'm not going to get into the flood method thing. It did not work for me. I, I have issues with it, but for some people, they like that method for getting the fossorial species out of their den. And I remember all of a sudden, I was getting a bunch of comments like, you're stressing out the spider by digging it out. You should use this method. So I do think it comes down to the individual. I've always said, and I want to make this very, very clear. I, it always comes down to what you're most comfortable with. I'm not going to tell somebody if they don't want to do the catch cup thing, if they feel comfortable another way, then I'm. it's not for me to mess with that. It's like a while back, I did some videos where I had cardboard where I showed how you can use cardboard to really like 100% escape any possible way that spider could get out of the old enclosure between basically eliminate escape when you're moving it from the old enclosure to the new enclosure by using cardboard to block off all the escape routes. You basically make it custom made to whatever you're putting them into it. Was is a way I thought to give people some you know, confidence when they're rehousing to they go, hey, there's, there's a way I could do this where there's no chance the spider gets out. But then I had some folks come on like, you know what, I tried that method and it was a little too busy for me. It kind of messed me up. Totally okay. I think you got to figure out what works for you. But I did get a couple comments back from folks. I think the one thing that a couple folks commented on was the poke and pray method. And I'm going to be completely honest here in that I did not go re-listen to the entire podcast to hear what I said on the poke and pray method. I do know that I had some notes before I went into this one, and I didn't even get into the big, I was trying to cut it short a little bit, only because I thought it was going on too long. But I had some other stuff I wanted to say about poke and pray, and I kind of left it out. But I had Eric Topping uh, chime in on Facebook. He said, they never go when I want them to. Anytime I've tried the poke and pray, they always go up and over the side. The only time I can remember it working was out of a small vial that basically fit in the new enclosure. And that's kind of my outlook on the poke and pray. I I have had it work. I, I really have had situations. It's usually with the slower species or the, you know, quote unquote, beginner species where, for example, I think the last time I used it, I had a G. pulchrapes, I love G. pulchrapes, and they just, I I don't know, that would be the only species that if I was to handle, I would probably try handling, because I just, I love them, I don't know what it is about them, probably my favorite species, it's weird, because it's not necessarily, Grimstel isn't necessarily my favorite genus, I just love them, anyway. I, I digress that was I think the last time I had one that I just basically very calmly poked and it went right into the new enclosure and that was great I've had other situations like Eric is talking about where you're not sure where they're gonna go I've had ones where I went to poke they turned around and attacked the brush I've had ones where I went to poke and they ran back at me and up over it it's not a surefire method in my opinion. However, I had somebody else chime in. There were actually two comments. One was a little more rude, and this one is the one I thought the person was being polite, and they're obviously a listener to the podcast. I did not, I responded back. I did not get permission to use their name, so I'm not going to use their name, but this listener wrote, I actually completely disagree that the poke and pray is a riskier method than the catch cup. I use this style to rehouse all my spiders, and it's definitely faster and less stressful for the spider. I think that for someone who knows their spiders and knows what they're doing, it's a great method to use. Man, I just realized, does that mean I don't know what I'm doing? I read. This I'm like this is polite, but now I kind of feel like oh dear, he just took me to task. Seriously, I I, it's obviously a listener, and we we need to hear all opinions. This can't just be my opinion when I'm doing one of these things. So first off, I would say, and again, I go back to use what works for you. I know there are folks that use this method. I had a conversation a while ago with a buddy of mine in the hobby that he said, I never use the catch cups, I was just poking, they move right in, and I was trying to explain why I show the way I do it, because I'm trying to show, basically, people that you can do it without, you know, risk of the spider escaping, without, you know, you getting hurt, the spider getting hurt, I think if it works for you, keep doing it, if that, I would never tell somebody, unless it was something they were doing that was ridiculously egregious, that I thought... It was flat out wrong, if somebody has a safe area where they can do the poke and pray and if the spider gets out, it's not going to go anywhere or get hurt, then go for it. I would never try to correct that person. I would never try to say what that person is doing is wrong. I think that what it comes down to me is it's risk versus reward. And then again, we have to go back to, and I do have to kind of latch on to this particular part of the comment the part where they said it's definitely faster and less stressful, I 100% disagree. I mean, I am not going, I think the last podcast more than amply explains why my thoughts on tarantula stress and why I don't feel it's any less stressful than somebody, you know, again, if it takes three minutes to rehouse, if it takes 10 minutes to rehouse, the grand scheme of things is within an hour, the spider's going to forget all about it. And I think the idea that if you're able to take your container and you poke your spider within, and I've had this work before, so I will concede this, the spider just within 30 seconds pops out of the enclosure, goes in a new one, great, awesome situation. However, it is not the safest method. And I will, I will stand by that one because if the spider bolts, now you have a situation where the spider is out of the enclosure, it's on the table, depending on where you're rehousing, it could fall. I mean, I know I always do it on elevated platforms, fancy word for a table, or I have my food cart that I do my rehousings on, so if the spider were to hit the floor in that situation, the spider could injure itself or die. I think safety-wise, the catch cups, you put the catch cup over the spider, the spider is completely contained. You can use the catch cups and almost minimize any chance of escape, any chance of close tarantula and keeper contact like the tarantula running up their arm biting them whatever it may be you can use the catch cups to make sure the spider never gets out anywhere so as far as the poker poke and prey being less stressful for the spider it's less stressful for the spider if there isn't a situation where the spider bolts the wrong direction if there isn't a situation where the spider you know climbs up the side of the enclosure bolts off the table like eric was talking about earlier that's my issue with the poke and prey that when it works it's great when it doesn't you are open opening up the door for more mishaps you're opening up the door for a situation where you or the spider could get hurt. That's my theory on it. So, again, I would never argue, and I know there are folks out there that use it well, so obviously it can work. It's just, for my... My standpoint, the way I do my rehousings, it doesn't make sense usually for me to risk one of those spiders bolting and possibly jumping off that table or onto me or whatever onto Billy, who I'm guessing would probably rethink wanting to shoot my videos for me if she had a big, you know, I don't know, OBT or something climbing on or whatever it may be. So, I do appreciate the comment. I do, again, I don't want to use the person's name and I, I just... I will respectfully disagree on the fact that it is always less stressful. The spider does have the potential to cause a shorter duration of stress to the spider. Yeah, absolutely. We'll concede that. I've used it the same way, but long term, there's always that risk. And I think that's what we're looking at as far as safe ways to rehouse them, having them in that container. Plus, I always point out the fact and the big thing with the catch cups that I love besides just containing the spider is the fact that we talked about before the spider's whole body is a sense, all those hairs on the body, it's a sense organ, it's an extension of the spider that allows in to feel just the slightest changes in air current, there's slightest movements on their webbing, whatever it may be, it allows the spider to feel a lot more, and when you put that catch cup over them, imagine the spider's in its enclosure, there's not a lot of airflow, you open it up, all of a sudden, air pressure change, lots of airflow, spider's freaking out, it knows it's exposed, you drop that cup over top of it, and suddenly it calms down, so I think that's a big part of why it works, and why I've seen very calm spiders during rehousing why I've seen ones and I think this is where they start to think the spider is being stressed I get them in the catch cup and they don't want to necessarily come out of the catch cup because I think they feel contained they feel like they know that the airflow is coming from the end of that catch cup they don't want to go out into it and that's where I'm you know carefully very gently prodding them with the brush to get them out into the new enclosure I think that's the point people watch and they go oh look at you're poking it you're stressing it out there In the grand scheme of things, that spider is going to get back in the cage. And sometimes within a matter of minutes, you can drop a cricket in. they eat and they're completely stress free. So just wanted to cover that from last week. I I think I'm glad I did the topic. Oh, the other thing is I did get an email from Nicole Quinn who is an entomologist who will be starting a new uh, faculty lab position. So congrats to Nicole. It's always good. I, I have to say that when I get contacted by somebody that's actually studying the science of insects and arachnids and arthropods or whatever it may be, I actually get a little starstruck because it's like, wow, these are the people that are really doing the work. I'm just some guy that does this for a hobby that talks about how to keep them, some of my own observations. I tend to collect things that everybody says, you know, I, I'm... I don't see myself as important as the folks are actually working in the science and studying these animals. So it's always cool to hear from folks like that. And it's even better when they come in after you put up a podcast that you're afraid somebody's going to tear you apart on and they say, hey, I agree with how you portrayed. I mean, basically, I won't read her entire comment. But it was along the lines of that my characterization of how they deal with stimuli around them and the fact they don't feel fear, all basically that I was on point with how I tried to describe tarantula stress. So that really meant a lot to me because that was one of those things I even alluded to in the beginning, although I'd been reading about it. I mean, this is a topic that I've been planning on doing for some time to have somebody come in and validate and say, hey, you were right on the mark. That felt great. So thank you, Nicole. You really did make my day for that one. I know I responded and and said that, but I want you to hear it from me personally that I really do appreciate that and will definitely take you up on your offer in the future when I have questions about stuff like this because that would be great to have somebody that actually knows what they're talking about so I'm not trying to read a bunch of articles and make sense of them. So thanks, Nicole. So we're moving on. This kind of falls in line with this one. I had two topics planned, possibly planned for last week and I went for this one because I just, I, again, it comes down to when you're getting a bunch of YouTube comments saying you're stressing out the spiders during your rehousings. It gets you thinking. The other thing I was planning on doing is tarantula. Temperament, And that will be obviously the focus of today's podcast. That's obviously going to be the title that this is posted under. I think we need to have a chat about it. I think it's something I've long struggled with because I think on one hand, I do talk about temperament and try to assure people that certain spiders are more laid back than others or that I don't see the stuff that other people are seeing. But then on the other hand, I also recognize the fact that tarantulas are not, they're not domesticated animals. They're not necessarily tamable animals and they can be unpredictable. And again, this has been a topic I've been thinking a a lot about, you know, for a long time about covering, trying to figure out how to address it because I don't think there's any easy answer for it, but it comes out of like comments on videos. What will happen is every single, anybody watching my husbandry videos, and I think when I do the husbandry on here, I do the same thing. I will try to report how most folks describe the overall temperament of the species. And what I mean by that is it's not my I don't just say hey I have this really tame spider so this is a tame species it drives me nuts when keepers will keep a certain species of spider and they'll go because mine's really tame, yours will be really tame. Or because mine is super crazy and defensive, yours are all going to be super crazy and defensive. That stuff irritates the heck out of me because that's absolutely not true. So what I try to do is I get the lay of the land. I talk to people. I do research. I look it up. What are people saying about this species? Is it docile? Is it skittish? Is it defensive? We never put aggressive because I do not agree with the term aggressive at all where it applies to tarantula behavior. I have yet to see anything in my collection. I think I have now gone up to... 150 different species of tarantulas I've kept and I have yet to find one I've called aggressive. Have I experienced aggressive goats? Have I experienced aggressive dogs? Have I experienced aggressive snakes? Yes, I have. I have not yet seen that type of behavior. uh, Now the dog and goat and (laughs) reptile people are going to be, I feel like, but I have had animals that I would call, we had a snake called Hot Lips. uh, Lips. it was a Macklots python, that would come out of its enclosure and come at me, it was, this thing was just, I loved her, because she was crazy, but that I would describe, she wasn't trying to defend herself, she was nasty, I haven't seen that with spiders, I really haven't, so, docile, skittish, defensive, I always try to give the general consensus on behavior, however, I then end it with something along the lines of temperaments can vary from specimen to specimen or temperaments can vary from spider to spider because it really does matter which animal you're talking about. I may have, we'll take the the T-Voggins. The T-Voggins that has uh, oddly been villainized in a couple, I've seen a couple things where it's been villainized like dangerous and scary and nasty and I have two that are completely fine. So it all depends on a lot of different things what type of spider you're going to get. I think it's a trend on most of the videos that I post up that if I say it's that most people talk about their species being defensive and skittish, I will have a bunch of people come on and go, mine's actually really laid back. I handle mine. If I say that that the tarantula is usually very docile and laid back. Guess what? I'm going to get a bunch of people that are going to come on and say the opposite. It's usually about 50-50. So for example, I just did an A. Geniculata video and I mentioned that some reported having defensive specimens. Mine have never, I've never had an issue with any of mine, but a lot of folks I've heard from said that there's a defensive. So what did we get for comments? A bunch of people going, I don't get it. Mine is the sweetest, tamest, most laid back spider I've ever had. Everybody should get, I handle mine. It's like a pet rock. And then we had the other folks come in. Mine's a monster. Mine's vicious. Mine's aggressive. Mine tried to rip my face off. We had one that the guy said it chewed, actually chewed through the catch cup and tried to bite his hand. Uh, Once again, about 50-50 on it. So I have traditionally struggled when folks... Ask me if a certain species is docile or defensive, whether it be they're asking me whether a certain beginner, quote-unquote, beginner species is docile, or whether or not they're asking me if a particular old world species is defensive, because... I don't necessarily have the same experiences that others do, and I don't want to send the wrong message. So, for example, if somebody says, hey, I'm looking at G. Pocrypies. I would love to handle. A lot of folks that are getting into the hobby, and some that have been in for a while, they're looking for species they handle. We're not going to turn this into a judgment on handling. It's out there. People do it. And I, when they approach me, I answer as truthfully as I can. Then they'll be like, they'll come on the video and go, hey, is this a good species for handling? Are they very tame? And what I will usually respond with is, Mine have all been very laid back. I've had, I think, five now. I've had zero issue with any, no threat postures, no defensive behavior, nothing like that. But on my videos I posted about them, I've had several people come and say theirs are quite nasty. So, again, take it with a grain of salt. Yes, most of them are tame, but you could get one of the nasty ones. And Conversely, I will get folks to come on and go, "Oh, I'd really like to get a, I don't know, a C. fembriatus, and are I've, are these really aggressive and?" In my experience, if you give them the room to dig, they're perfectly fine. So I'd be like, no, I don't see mine all that often, but I don't find mine to be very defensive or aggressive. However, other folks do report. So it's tough for me sometimes because I feel like I can never just say yes or no. I have to explain the fact that this is is what people say. This is what I've seen in my collection. And this is the possibility you could face because there are oddball spiders out there that just don't follow any of these. So when thinking about... what what factors influence a tarantula's temperament? I think there are a couple main things we can zoom in on. And some of them uh, allow us some measure of control as far as how our spiders are going to act. And well, one of them does. And then one of them is completely out of our hands. So let's start with the first one, the one that's out of our hands. The, The spider itself. Some spiders are tamer and more laid back than others. Some new world species are more laid back Some old world species are more laid back. It's a fact that, and and this has to be taken, we we have to be able to say this is a fact. There are actually some species of tarantulas that do have a decently well-earned reputation, for being more docile and laid back. And this is because of years of keepers keeping them, the majority of folks, and you always look at, you know, you can't just look at your data. I can't just look as much as I'd love to just go, hey, my guys are all nice. I can't just look at what's going on here. Other people have different experiences with them. So I think with some of these species, it is a fact that some have a better reputation for being more tractable, more laid back, more just less of a defensive threat. You take the H. chalensis, for example, I've had three of them, I think, over the years, four of them over the years, unfortunately, all older females, and maybe that's just an older female thing, but all very laid back, inquisitive, the most docile tarantulas I have ever kept. I just recently heard of somebody that had one that would throw up threat postures. So there's the oddball out. I heard somebody that said it kicked on him. There's an oddball out. But that's a species that the majority of us that have kept them report. Like if you took everybody that kept them, it would be like, I don't know, 85, 90% would say this thing's really laid back, once it put on some size. Same thing with the G. Polkripies. G. Polkripies is another one that I think folks most folks you talk to have laid back ones. There are some that just are more laid back. However, it that we go back to that temperament varying from spider to spider. There are exceptions. T-albo, when I did my list of the top beginner species, T-albo ran away with the keepers, as far as keeper input, as the number one species that everybody recommends that you keep for your first spider, for a beginner spider. The best beginner species. We put in quotes because I don't think you can really narrow it down. But that's the one everybody picked. However, every time I do a T-Albo video, there are folks out there that chime in. Theirs are nuts. The Nicaraguans had a pretty big reputation for a while for being a lot more skittish and potentially defensive. I will tell you that I have a mature t Nicaraguan male that... Ever since it was a little sling, it was crazy. It was not a spider I would consider handling. Yet, this is the species we tell everybody is one of the best ones as far as folks getting into the hobby is being laid back and possibly being tractable, being open to handling. So there's a good example of one right there that doesn't quite fit the bill. And there are a lot of them. Like we said, there are the, the that eyeball H. chalensis that wants to kick air or bite. That oddball g polker bees that wants to throw up the threat posture bolt around. There's always going to be exceptions. It's just like people have personalities. Dogs have personalities. Cats have personalities. Spiders, a lot of us that have kept them have noticed that individual spiders can have, or different spiders can have different individual personalities. How many of us have kept three slings from the same sack and the three slings act totally different? I would call that, I mean, again, this is kind of the anthropomorphization of the animals because we're giving them human characteristics. But I think you could qualify those little person, those little quirks in their behaviors. We can kind of call them like a personality quirks. so are just slightly different. So that's always something to keep in mind. And Another fact, there are other species of tarantulas and other genera of tarantulas and I'm talking mostly about old world species that have a reputation for being and I'm going to put this I wish people could see my air quotes when I do this aggressive because I don't agree with it or nasty or defensive when threatened these spiders can be quite the handful and I think that just comes from the nature of the beast where we have new world species that the their first line of defense usually is to kick hairs or run away a little bit with the old world species they're going to try to bolt If you corner them, they're going to stand their ground. They're going to use that potent venom as a deterrent. So, I think it behooves them to have a little bit more of a mean streak in them. So, I do think when you ask people about certain species, you are going to get more folks saying, yes, mine are a little bit crazy. Again, there are exceptions. The OBT, one of my favorite, all right, so OBT is one of my favorites too, this is turning into a big Tom pausing and having like a, a moment where I'm like, what is my favorite species of spider, I, I love the OBT as well, it's one of, it was one of the first I ever wanted to get, and I got one and was not disappointed, I now have, I believe, six at the moment. I have zero issues with my OBTs, zero. I've had zero issues with my OBT. The only thing I had close to an issue is I was a ding dong. I was trying to record a feeding video with my large female and she almost overshot the cricket and landed on like came out of the container, which once they get out of the container, they tend to freak out and they kind of scramble. That could have been a nightmare. That was my fault completely. She wasn't being aggressive. She was trying to get food. So I have had the other day, I fed them. I'm popping the tops off. They're sitting right on top. I drop a cricket in. They grab the cricket. They run back to their burrow. My big girl was out the other day. It looked like her water dish. She had put some webbing in the water dish. So the water dish was dry. I filled in the water dish. As I was filling in the water dish, she kind of calmly climbed climbed back into her little web burrow. And then I closed the door. I come back like a half hour hour later and she's sitting there drinking it was adorable so I've had zero issues with any of them they basically if they're disturbed they just run back into their hides or in my female's case saunter right back in and like calm as can be there was no real like panic mode She's really laid back, and the other ones are fairly laid back, too. So there are exceptions to everything, and I think we always need to keep that in mind both ways. I need to keep it in mind. I spend a lot of time, and I'll admit, and this is where sometimes, I don't know if I'd go so far to say I have an agenda with it, but it is something I always want to bring attention to. I think, how do I put this? I think everybody has potential to have very calm spiders. I honestly believe that most cases, if you have a collection of several spiders or several tarantulas, most of us, if we do the right things, we're going to end up having rather laid back spiders. I don't think we all have to have crazy spiders. I, I really do believe that we do have a lot of input and a lot of control as to how our spiders act. And I think that leads us to the next factor that depends, that basically can determine how a, spider, uh, how a spider is going to behave and that is the enclosure of the setups. I think this is a huge factor in what type of behavior you get from your animals. So let's start with beginner species and I think this is where it starts. I'm guessing a lot of the reputations that the old world species got came from the fact that we weren 't keeping them correctly to begin with, and this is where i i 'm thinking it 's coming from many of the beginner species will sit right out in the open with no apparent stress or defensiveness we give them hides we can burn the burrow we can plants many of them like I look around now and i 'm seeing like over here i 've got my LP two of my Lps are sitting right out in the open i 've got a G. Porteri sitting right out in the open. I've got every, just all the, I'm not going to go, although I'm afraid I'm going to lose contact with the microphone here, but I'm looking around, I'm seeing a lot of my spiders. They just sit out in the open. They're calm. If I open their enclosures, they kind of just do that thing where they settle down into the cage a little bit, like, uh-oh, somebody's opened this, but I get no issues there. I think one of the issues is new, most new worlds, well, or a lot of new worlds don't need the burrowing. They don't need the hides. They will sit out in the open, be content, not scared, nope scared, that's kind of a word we said we weren't going to use, not stressed, and I think that lends, it lends that illusion that they are very laid-back, calm spiders, because the way they live, they're used to being out in the open, they don't need that cover, and therefore, they should be a little more laid-back. Now, let's take Old worlds, most old worlds need room to burrow. They need a lot of burrowing room, or they need foliage to hide behind, or they need plenty of hides and space to web and hide. Some of them will create their own web burrow, so to speak. And I think that much of the legendary stories about their attitudes that we have heard, because I know when I got in a hobby... I don't want to say I was let down because I definitely wasn't let down. I was pleasantly surprised. But when I first got into hobby and started researching, all I heard about is every kilobroki species, uh, chylis, uh Lampropelma, all these species of spiders. Just name any old world, Asian old world they all you heard about is how just truly defensive aggressive and nasty they were but this was a long time ago and I think part of it was we weren't keeping them correctly because if you don't give them room to hide if you don't give them correct room to burrow or to web you're going to have a defensive spider because back to our other podcast and this is why I had these two paired together they are they are stressed out they are basically experiencing that long-term stress because they are not set up correctly and with that long-term stress is going to come defensiveness they don't feel safe so therefore any slight disturbance around them is going to cause them to strike. This is the ones where I had somebody recently say my OBT is crazy it's it's always pissed off I don't get it what did I do wrong and I said can you send me some pictures of your enclosure and that one of the things the guy says every time I walk into the room the OBT is slapping at the side of the enclosure it's slapping at things. Well, I look in they gave the OBT a rather shallow enclosure it was like a shallow aquarium maybe 8 inches tall with about 2 inches of dirt a hide that offered no place to hide the spider hadn't had a chance to do any webbing yet, nor were there any anchor points, so we had a spider that was sitting right in the middle of this enclosure, totally exposed. So guess what happened? Every time the lights changed, or somebody opened a door, and there was a change in you know, shift in the airflow, the spider freaked out because, as far as it's concerned, I'm sitting right out in the open where anything can kill me, and I'm going to react defensively to ward off anybody that might harm me. So I do think a lot of the, and I've thought about this a lot over the years, and and I am, I have been. Not in the hobby long enough, but aware of the hobby long enough. You know, I used to go to the reptile shows 25 years ago and would see the little, I think I talked about how they had the Thai black spider that was sitting there in an enclosure with no substrate and all it did was kept slapping. Anybody that walked by, if you touched the glass, it slapped the glass. That poor thing, for lack of a better term, I'm going to use it here. Was terrified. It wasn't, it, it was defensive. It was exposed. It was out in the middle of this place with a lot of noise, vibration, light, and it was just striking at everything. That wasn't a vicious spider. That wasn't an aggressive spider. That was a spider that all the stimuli were telling it, you are in danger and need to protect yourself. So I do think a lot of what we hear. About old worlds, and you know, I've been a defender of old world spiders since day one when I started to realize a lot of this stuff was overblown. I do think a lot of what we get about old worlds goes back to the times where we would take a spider, we would take a little plastic sterilite bin, we'd throw an inch or two of vermiculite on it, in it, and we'd put the spider in that, and that was it. And I think, again, this is where the reputations came from our G. roseas, our G. pulcrapees. RB B smithies are all our quote unquote beginner species would sit in those little little containers and they were perfectly fine. They cared. You'd open. I the queen was amazing. The queen would sit in that container. She'd barely move in a week. You would drop a cricket, blah, 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 all over the cricket, you grab the cricket, eat the cricket, and go right back to her spot sitting there. She nothing bothered her. And I've had other ones that are the same way. However, if I were to dig up my, I know, we'll go with the fimbriatus again. If I were to take my obt, if I were to take my, who else do I have over here? Some of my. Uh, Phlogia species or Selena cosmia species, my Orphanacus species, if I were to take those adults and drop them in a sterile container, we'll call it a 13 by 10 by 6 inch tall container with a couple inches of substrate in them with nothing really else for it to hide behind, you are going to have some crazy angry spiders. So I do believe that's where a lot of the reputation comes from for them because I have to say... I have zero issue with my old world tarantulas, zero. It's not that I don't respect what they can do, but what I've seen is when they are set up correctly, when they are given room to create environments that they feel safe and comfortable in that they don't feel defensive. And then you get a more calm spider. So for example, I walked around earlier. My, I keep saying my Thimbriatus because she was out in the open earlier and I was trying to get pictures of her and the little jerk. Like I usually, when I touch her cage, she darts back down into her web. She's burrowed, but she's also webbed the whole surface. And I drag her out, I get her on the table. She's just sitting there. I'm like, Oh, this is it. I get a light over like, Oh, she's still sitting there. I I'm setting up to get my camera out And she just calmly moses back down into the burrow. So that's why she's so on my mind. But again, this wasn't a spider that was bolting. This wasn't a spider that was being crazy. This is a spider that... Was just, hey, oh, this guy's open up, you got some light on me, I'm just gonna go high because it had a place to go to. So I do feel like when talking about temperament, we have to keep in mind that if you set them up correctly, you are doing yourself and your spider a huge service because you are gonna reduce some of those skittish and defensive behaviors that everybody talks about. I don't think that I have some magical way of calming spiders so that they don't get upset when I'm doing, you know, maintenance or whatnot. I think. I just give them enough room to do what they need to do. So I do think that a lot of the defensive behavior can be mitigated by providing them with the correct environment. And I have to say that a lot of times this is where I get a little frustrated. Folks will be like, well, it's and I just had somebody ask me about this and I had to kind of tone it down because I hate these types of questions. I would like to get a C. lividus, but I would like to see my spider. If I'm okay with the defensive behavior, it would be all right for me to put it in something shallow, right? No, it wouldn't. That's ridiculous. That's just going to, again, what is the, the reason why it's being defensive is because you are keeping it incorrectly. Flat out, if you do that, you're a terrible keeper. I, I, I'm sorry. That's not providing what the animal needs. That's why you're getting a defensive animal. If you want an animal, and I think this is what it comes down to, people go, well, they're vicious unless you keep them right. Yeah, no, they're vicious if you keep them wrong. That's what it comes down to. You need to, with any pet, you should provide it with an environment that is the correct environment for its security. For it to thrive, for it, it needs food, it needs a correct temperature, it might need some moisture, it needs places to hide so it can basically settle in and feel comfortable in its surroundings. So I do think that that one annoys the heck out of me because I do get that every once in a while well, somebody will come on one of the videos, somebody came on one with the Craftsabees video and I think I was talking about how I never see them and like, well, I would just take it and put it in something more shallow, I'm not scared of them, that's, that's great. So you put the spider in something that's going to leave it in a constant state of stress, a spider that's basically going to be constantly on a state of alert and defensive because you have not provided for correct surroundings. That's, that's ridiculous. So I do think that a lot of times if it's, if you don't want, and I think it comes down to this, if you want a quote unquote, tame laid back old world or old world fossorial or old world, heavy Weber, then be prepared not to see it very often that's where they're most comfortable that's the correct situation for the spider I, I, I think that's what it comes down to and all folks go well I'm keeping it this way so it's, it's therefore a defensive animal no it's not a defensive animal any animal would be defensive if you didn't keep them properly so yes are there spiders that just by their genetics by their the way they were born are a little more defensive than others absolutely you're gonna have ones that you give I've heard folks that have spiders that they do have room the burrow they have that red burrow but they sometimes will stand right at the top of the burrow and be a little more defensive or folks that have those quote-unquote pet rocks, it can be a little more defensive. It's it's the nature of the beast. The bottom line, they're wild animals. They're not domesticated animals. This isn't a dog or a cat. Now, there is an X factor that I do think sometimes gets confused for aggression and I think it needs to be mentioned because this is a lot of times when I hear folks tell me, yeah, my spider was super aggressive. I hear the story and I go, no, it wasn't super aggressive It was hungry. The feeding response, a spider's feeding response can be amazing. I have watched spiders spring across an enclosure, grab crickets, barrel rolling, whirling on their backs, snatching them all up. I've seen spiders basically that you are so super calm until you drop a cricket in, they go nuts. Now, let's take a moment to think about how we normally encourage folks to check the temperament of a spider to see if it wants to be handled. We take a paintbrush usually, something like a paintbrush, a soft paintbrush, and we poke it in the bum. Now, imagine the spider's sitting there. It's in standby mode. You know, they just kind of sit there waiting for something to come by. All of a sudden, there's movement behind it. It's not thinking, this is my keeper sticking a paintbrush up my butt to see if I'm open to being handled. It's thinking there is a food item. It's not even thinking. It's a reaction. There is a food item. I need to spring and grab this because I may not have another shot of it. Remember, they're kind of opportunistic hunters. If something comes by and they grab it quick, if it gets away, they're not going to go chase it down. It's not going to be like a lion chasing down a gazelle or something. They're just going to sit and wait for something Else to buy, so they need to react quickly to grab that prey item before it goes off, they turn around, they grab the paintbrush, oh no, it viciously attacked the paintbrush, my spider's aggressive, no, your spider was hungry, stick your hand in front of me while I'm eating a good burger or pizza, I'm probably going to bite you, not not the same way, but it's the same thing, we got to remember, and this comes back to what I was just saying earlier, that their whole bodies are sense organs, they are basically, instinctually, they are meant to respond to the slightest little disturbances, they feel a little tingle in that web, it means something's close by, they're on alert, they're ready, to jump, if you sit there and all of a sudden just touch your bum, they're not again thinking this is a big human that wants to spend quality handling time with me. They're thinking, oh God, there's a huge prey item behind me. I got to grab that quick and eat it. So, we need to keep that in mind. I've shared the story with the queen before, where I tried to handle her years ago, and she went over and struck it wasn't because she was trying to attack me she the queen was always a good eater she was hungry she thought there was a parade I'm going in there so that was something that later on I'm, I'm very lucky that after I was able to think about because I think part of it was like oh my god the spider scared the heck out of me obviously I passed out but I think part of it was after I thought about it I realized she wasn't attacking me she thought there was a cricket in there and I was able to make that connection unfortunately some folks don't make that connection and they get it in their minds that their spider is vicious and that's sadly the furthest thing from the truth we always have to remember that some of our spiders just have really, really, really good food responses, and that can look like a an aggressive maneuver or aggressive behavior. It's not. The spider's trying to quickly react to grab food so it can eat. So unfortunately, I think what happens sometimes is that this leads to situations in which the uninitiated keeper may try to stick their hand into enclosure to grab their tame spider, only to be met with a flash of fangs. That can be very, very frightening. I get it. That could be the type of make or break it thing for somebody in the hobby. I've had people that have had their spiders go at them with a feeding response and go, I'm afraid of the spider now. I don't want to open the enclosure because it was so scary, especially folks that come in harboring already some arachnophobia. So it's a tricky situation because, again, I am of a belief that there really isn't a need to handle them. But I can't, I'm not going to sit there and tell people not to. I'm not going to be foolish enough to think that people aren't going to continue to handle their pets in the hobby. But I just think we need to recognize that this is something they could experience. Now, what does all this mean? We have just said that the supposed tame ones can be nasty. The supposed nasty ones can be tame. Does this mean that when we hear people say, hey, this particular species is seems to be rather tame, we should ignore it? No, because again, back to the beginning of the podcast, I do think we have enough, some of these species have been kept by enough people that we can get a general consensus that most of them will be rather laid back. So I don't think we can throw that out. I've had people go, what is the point of, me- of even mentioning temperament then if you said it can vary? Because I do think on certain species, we do recognize that, some old worlds can be a bit more defensive. Some new world, worlds can be a bit more laid back. But again, I think the golden rule has to be treat them all like they're wild animals with fangs and venom. And it may sound silly, but it's the truth. Treat them all like the potential is there for them to do something that may not be particularly cuddly. That's If we treat them all, and I remember having this discussion years ago where somebody was kind of poking fun at one of my videos because I was rehousing a new world species I don't know it was one of the beginner species and I was showing the cup method and I was being extra careful and they're like I don't understand why you're so careful with that it's just a I don't know we'll go be smithy and I tried to explain I said because the next spider I rehoused after that was a kilobrachis guanxiensis, which is not a laid-back species, which can bolt, which has potent venom, which is faster. And so therefore, I practice good techniques with everybody so that I don't get into bad habits. Because bottom line, if you get out there and get a little sloppy with your new worlds, next thing you know it, you're getting a little sloppy with your old worlds, and that's when an accident is going to happen. So I do think I stand by that golden rule is I treat them all exactly the same for the most... Okay, That's probably a lie. Are there times with certain ones, like when I was rehousing, say, my H. salensis? I'm not going to lie. I kind of was a little more laid back with it, but for the most part... Depending, It doesn't depend which species I'm rehousing. I treat them all the same way. Which again, people that don't understand go on and they're like, I don't understand why you're being so careful with them. That's why I'm practicing good technique. And I think that needs to be across the board that yes, we can recognize that there are quote unquote beginner species, genera of tarantulas, the fauna pelma, brachypelma, Grammostola, that generally speaking, the majority of species are a little more laid back and we can kind of bank on that. But then always keep in the back of our mind, there's going to be those oddballs or there's going to be those species in those genera like, I'm looking at Brocky Palma Boyme or Baby. I'm looking at the T Voggins that some folks report aren't quite as laid back as people like to make them sound like they are. So, when discussing the temperament of tarantulas, let's keep an open mind to it. Let's remember that they are, at the end of the day, wild animals. And let's remember that we do have a lot of say into how our spiders act. If we don't want to find ourselves in bad situations, we can avoid handling when possible. We can practice proper and safe rehousing techniques to minimize because that's going to be the spot where... All the, you know, you can throw everything out the window. Some of the tame ones will become a little rambunctious. The wild ones are going to go wild. Always practice good rehousing techniques. That goes back to our poke and pray versus the cup method in the beginning. See, I tied all this together. And then give them the appropriate setups. Give them the appropriate housing. Do not come to me with questions about can I take my Kilobrachis guanjinensis and give it a shallow container because I want to see it more. No, that makes you a jerk. I mean, flat out, like that's not the right way to keep the spider. You know, it's not the right way to keep the spider. You're selfishly trying to keep it in a way so you can see it. That's not what good Pet ownership or good pet keeping is about so I do think it is important to keep in mind that certain species and I will continue to put that on videos I will continue to mention not only what the general consensus is about the species but what my interactions and observations have been with the species and then I will also warn people again until I stop doing these things that the temperament of the tarantulas can vary from specimen to specimen or spider to spider so Always keep that in mind, and I think if you do keep that in mind, we follow that golden rule, then we shouldn't have a lot of issues, and I think that overall, we will have a lot more laid-back spiders. Again, it's it's tough for me because I have to say, and somebody asked me this recently, and I'm like... I haven't had a problem with anything. I mean, the huntsmen are new. I, I think I've shared that the fact the huntsmen getting used to that speed and the ability to jump and the bolting, that's been a new learning curve for me, but I'll get it down. But as far as tarantulas is concerned, I've had very, very few issues, either rehousing, feeding, threat postures. I have very calm spiders, and I like to think part of it is that I just have them set up correctly and I give them the respect that they deserve, so... It, I be it, folks will come on and go, you're a, you're a spider whisperer and all that. I don't think it's anything that magical. I know it's nothing that magical. I just think that I'm setting them up in a way and treating them away with respect and giving them the room they need that it's it's allowing them to feel comfortable in my collection. So that will do it for this one. I uh, hope everybody again has a great Easter. For those of you that are listening to this on your Easter drive, I apologize to the relatives that may not be quite so keen to listen to somebody ramble on about spiders for almost 45 minutes. Sorry, guys. Have a safe and happy holiday. As always, you can find me on thomasbexplayers.com. You can find me on YouTube. That'll do it for this one, guys. We'll catch you all next time.